Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. It's Tuesday, July 12th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. As rapid at-home tests for coronavirus become more accessible, fewer people are reporting results to state health officials. But there's still a way to figure out where the virus is spreading. This is really one of the only ways that you can really see what's happening in the community because, you know, not everyone's getting tested, but everyone's using the toilet. In just a few minutes, St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports on Missouri's dozens of wastewater monitoring locations. Missouri Democrats want lawmakers to return to Jefferson City to make it clear that birth control and terminating dangerous pregnancies are legal in the state. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum reports. House Minority Leader Crystal Quaid was one of two Democratic lawmakers calling on Governor Mike Parson for a special session in response to the state's recent abortion ban. The Springfield Democrat wants to pass a bill stating clearly that contraception is legal in the state. She also wants to make sure the abortion ban doesn't cover ectopic pregnancies, which is when a fetus develops outside the uterus. People are scared and people want to know how Missouri's laws are going to work and whether or not they're safe to to do the basics like taking birth control. Missouri banned most abortions except for medical emergencies after the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis Mayor Tashara Jones says a new federal gun violence prevention law does not go far enough. She was at the White House yesterday to mark the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, which was recently signed by President Joe Biden. But Jones does call it a step in the right direction. But our work is far from over. This is just the first step in protecting families and ending gun violence. The act is designed to make it more difficult for many to purchase guns, including people under 21 and those convicted of domestic abuse. It also helps fund mental health programs and state red flag laws that allow guns to be confiscated from at-risk people. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker also attended that event at the White House. A St. Louis County Council member wants the Department of Emergency Management and the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to review construction and utility permits near Coldwater Creek. As St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis reports, supporters say the measure aims to protect people who live near the contaminated creek bed. The proposed legislation would apply to new building, utility, and construction permits within five zip codes in North St. Louis County. It aims to ensure projects don't release radioactive waste from the creek bed. The county's emergency management department and the Army Corps of Engineers would be notified of the permits. Councilwoman Kelly Dunaway is writing the proposal. She says it would help protect area residents. I think there are probably a lot of people that live around Coldwater Creek that don't have any idea that they are living near um, this radioactive waste that is decades old at this point. Dunaway says the council could hold legislation meetings on the proposal by early fall. I'm Chad Davis, St. Louis Public Radio. Developers of the Grain Belt Express are planning to bring more energy to Missouri than originally planned. Chicago-based Invenergy says the high-voltage transmission line will be able to handle 5,000 megawatts with half the power serving Missouri. Initial plans called for a 4,000-megawatt line with 10 percent of the power coming to the state. 
The project will carry wind energy from Kansas through Missouri to the Indiana border. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt has appealed the dismissal of a lawsuit blaming China for the pandemic. Dan Margulies reports. The move comes after a federal judge in St. Louis threw out the case, saying he didn't have jurisdiction to hear it. Schmidt sued the Chinese government in April 2020. He claimed the Chinese government's efforts to suppress information about COVID-19 led to the loss of life and severe economic consequences in Missouri. Legal experts question the basis of the lawsuit, since American law generally grants foreign states immunity in American courts. It took Schmidt more than a year to serve any of the nine defendants in China with the lawsuit and $12,000 to translate it into Chinese. I'm Dan Margulies. As fewer people are tested for coronavirus, health officials are still finding it in Missouri's sewers. Scientists say wastewater shows the increasing presence of different variants. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports the statewide project is one of the most accurate ways to measure the coronavirus threat. The Bissell Point Sewage Treatment Plant in North St. Louis cleans and treats everything that comes down the pipes when people on the city's north side flush the toilet. But in the last two years, the plant has also become a vital public health tool for monitoring the coronavirus, and thousands of people throughout the region are submitting samples every day. This is really one of the only ways that you can really see what's happening in the community because, you know, not everyone's getting tested, but everyone's using the toilet. That's Bess McCoy, a spokeswoman for the Metropolitan St. Louis Sewer District. When someone's infected with the coronavirus, portions of the virus show up in their feces. The samples aren't contagious, but they are useful. Regular sewage testing can show how prevalent the virus is in the community and identify new dangerous strains. McCoy shows me the plant's pump station, one of the first stops for sewage water, after it gets flushed down the toilet. After the sewage is run through a pool outside to filter out debris, it flows into a tank where the sample is taken multiple times an hour. Actually, the sampler right here, you can see it looks like just like a tablespoon that uh, scoops in there. Um, It's going to dip down in there and drop that sample into what looks like a, a little refrigerator. The tiny bit of brownish water drops into a clear container about the size of a milk jug. Once those jugs in the pump house fill up, they're carted across the property to a lab. I'm looking to make sure I didn't overfill the bottom of the tubes. (laughs) A worker decants the water into smaller tubes, packs them into boxes with ice packs, and hands them off to a courier who drives the samples to Columbia and Jefferson City Labs where they'll be tested. MSD Assistant Director Jay Hoskins says Missouri has one of the most widespread sewer shed monitoring programs in the country. Something along 60 to 70 percent of the population is in the sewer shed sampling program. He says unlike other public health measures, wastewater testing was a relatively cheap and effective way for the state to get a lot of information at once because plants were already sampling water. Um, The state knew that and was able to tap into that infrastructure, that personnel, that knowledge. Right now, the state and its partners at the University of Missouri are monitoring around 100 sites. An online dashboard shows if the amount of COVID particles in wastewater is increasing, decreasing, or staying the same. 
Hoskins says that information is more important now that people are using rapid tests. More people are taking at-home tests. Those at-home tests are not being reported to the health department. Mark Johnson is the leader of the wastewater testing lab at Mizzou and one of the people who spearheaded the state's testing campaign. He says health departments really are using the information to make decisions. For example, a health department could use a sewer shed map to figure out where to focus a mobile vaccination campaign. I always call it a reality check on where things really are. If numbers are going up or down, they want to know, is that a fluke or is that really what's happening? But the practice is not without its challenges. Aparna Keshavaya studies wastewater epidemiology for research firm Mathematica and the Rockefeller Foundation. She says at small facilities, there aren't always people to decode or share data with other departments, and many still rely on other metrics, like traditional case counts, to make policy decisions. Money could also become an issue. Wastewater testing relies largely on funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and it's unclear if the agency will continue to fund it in the years to come. Keshavaya says that's worrisome for smaller plants with shoestring staffs and budgets. Right now, we need to kind of use the momentum of the pandemic and ramp up capacity at state labs, at universities, at commercial labs, testing for a variety of things that could threaten public health. She hopes state and federal officials see the promise of studying sewage, which can be used to study other diseases and even opioid addiction. And regular people can keep doing their part, too. All they have to do is flush the toilet. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. Our David Casares edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Have a great day. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.